Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Well, good morning again. If... Uh... If you're just joining us online, we welcome you to the 10 a.m. service at Whitestone Christian Fellowship in beautiful upstate New York. It's a sunny day today. We are under thawing conditions. The ice is melting slowly, and it's a beautiful sunny day outside. For our reading this morning, we are, we are going to read together 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. And then we'll go on to uh, continue our study through the book of Ezekiel, chapter 39 we'll cover today, uh, verses 1 to 29. Uh, It's an important and timely study uh, with all that's going on in the world politically, uh, with all that's going on in the world socially, financially, in every single way. Uh, Everything is, uh, everything points to Jesus in this particular chapter Uh, and he wants to get our attention as well so that we are tuned in to him so please uh, join with me in first thessalonians chapter 4 verse beginning with verse 13 by but i would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from a cloud with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul is speaking about the rapture of the church. When he says that we will be caught up, the Greek word is harpazo. And it's a wonderful description of being snatched away. In fact, harpazo means actually to be snatched away. Paul softens the blow a little bit, saying that we're going to be caught up together. But it is as though the Lord comes in and snatches us off this earth and takes us to His heavenly kingdom. Now who's us? Us is the church. True believers. Those who have put our trust and hope in Him. This is the escape. This is the escape that He has told us about. That He has prophesied about. This is what we we wait for because as we read through prophecies in the Old Testament about the day of the Lord, 
as we read through the book of Revelation, we see that there's a time coming when the world is going to be on the verge of collapse. And in Matthew 24, Jesus tells us that if He did not come in the nick of time, that mankind would destroy both the earth and Himself. It's interesting this week that uh, Mr. Putin and the president of Russia has decided to abandon the agreements of non-proliferation and anti-nukes and all of the rest. Uh, and this, is, this, I think, is done in, in retaliation. Don't quote me on this, but I think it's retaliation for uh, President Biden's visit to the Ukraine just across the border. Now, Russia is still attacking the Ukraine. The, Ukrainian as a nation, the Ukraine as a nation is the enemy of Russia right now. But it's also, along with the state, the Russian state of Georgia, uh, the breadbasket of their country. And Russia is hurting right now. During the conflict with the Ukraine, they have lost 200,000 troops in Ru from Russia alone. Cities are destroyed. People are a mess. And we, are, we have been watching the end times come together and prophecies be fulfilled on a regular basis. And last week as we looked at Ezekiel chapter 38, <clears throat> The chapter started out pretty much the same way. Say unto Gog, the chief prince. And it's interesting, the word chief in the Hebrew here that's used is Rosh. The chief Russian prince, the head of the country. He says, I am against you. I am against you. So that's the problem that we're dealing with now. Because Russia is active, and they're in the midst of trying to form an alliance not only with Iran, but with Turkey and Syria as well. The Russians desperately want Turkey involved in all of this. So, as we look at the, the chapter here in Ezekiel chapter 39... He says, therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog and say unto the Lord God, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against thee. I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. These are two, two Russian cities that we know of as Moscow and Tobolsk in modern day Russia. And I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. When God speaks of Israel and Jerusalem, He always speaks of bringing somebody up from the flat lands of the country Jerusalem is up, always, up into the hills of Judea. 
So he says, I will turn you back. I will leave but a sixth part of thee. That's an awful lot of people that are going to be dying. I will cause thee to come up out of the north parts. Moscow and Jerusalem are basically on the same global meridian. Moscow is due north. I will bring thee up upon the mountains of Israel. Mount Carmel, Mount Zion, all of the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thine left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. I'll take the weapons out of your left hand and I'm going to take all of the ammunition you have from your right. It'll just fall away. How does God do this? <laughs> we dare not ask. <laughs> we dare not ask. But this is what the Lord says is going to happen during these end times. Now we've been talking about being in end times for many, many months because of the world's situation. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel in chapter 4, or verse 4. Uh, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and the beasts of the fields to be devoured. This is a gruesome thought. It puts... It puts horrific images in our heads and our minds. And what's even worse, it's not just it's not just Russia. It's not just Gog and his land of Magog. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel and all thy bands and all the people that is with thee, foreigners that have formed an alliance with them to attack Israel. I will give thee to the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. All we have to do is go through some of the battles that Joshua fought, that David fought, uh, even that Abraham fought as they went in to settle the land. And we read of the miraculous things that God did on the battlefield. This is not new stuff. He, he forms miracles. He performs them. He designs them. And He tells the, us about them ahead of time. Just as He's doing here. And I will send a fire on Magog. Magog is the country. Their leaders are on the battlefield, fallen, and a fire. The fire begins to consume their homeland. I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. This word isles here, it means along the coasts, on the fringe of your country, whether it's whether there's a, a seaport there or whether you're, there's a coastline, the coasts always here, it means around the edges of your country. Then your borders. 
Do we have a fire on our border now? Our southern border in the southwest, our southern border in the southeast, our northern border. People, are, people from Honduras are taking flights to Canada and coming in through our northern borders now too. Our borders are in flames. And they're nothing, there's nothing left but a ruinous heap. I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. And aren't we, aren't we living carelessly? Dwelling carelessly? There's no care. There's no remedy. There's no motivation to protect our own land. Not even our neighboring countries will help us to protect our borders. It's illegal for anybody to come into Mexico illegally. And yet on the southern border of Mexico, they just open their, open their borders and they let these people, they let immigrants just come in and walk through their land. If we were to try that, we would be placed under arrest. But no, oh, they're just going through to get to the United States. where there's an, basically an open border. Hundreds of thousands have come across the border here into the United States just in the last six to eight months, not to mention the two years before. I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly or literally without care and the isles and the coasts, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. See, even in the people of Israel, they don't know His name. They have denied Him. And when it talks about in the first line, Thus saith the Lord God, this is Lord with capital L, small letters, O-R-D. This is none other than Jesus Christ. When it speaks of Jehovah, the Father, it is all in caps. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord. Now we see it all in caps. The heathen will know that I am God. The Son is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. We have to come to terms with that at some level of our understanding in the Spirit. I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Literally, He's the Anointed of Israel. Behold, it is come in verse 8. Behold, it is come and it is done. There's no changing it. In verse 34 of Psalm 89, the Lord tells us, I will not alter a single word that comes forth from my lips. 
It's unchangeable. It's a done deal is what the Lord is saying here. Behold, it is come, it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. Not only has He spoken of this day in the past, but He's spoken of this day in prophecy. He's spoken of this day today. If we're reading our Bibles, this is not new stuff to us. He has spoken of this day many times. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel, in verse 9, shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers. The bucklers are just a small shield around the the forearm. The bows and the arrows, the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire for seven years. The weaponry that is going to be taken away from Gog and his armies and all of the could even be even the fuel that they use. It's going to burn for seven years. The people of Israel will not have any reason to go into the forest and cut down trees. They'll have plenty of wood. They'll have plenty of fuel to burn and to heat. But for seven years, as the land is purged, from the weapons of evil. They shall burn them with fire seven years. It's also interesting to know that the shelf life of atomic weapons is about seven years too. It's incredible how accurate the Lord is. Of course, if it's atomic bombs and weapons, they'll have to have specialists to go in and disassemble them and then burn them. Turn those atomic weapons into rods that are that are used up in power in nuclear power plants. Whatever it is, however it's done, it's going to be for seven years. So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forests. For they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord God. Payback is really hard. Payback is really hard. These people that have come will have come into the land of Israel. They came to take a spoil. And they entered into houses. They entered into cities, towns, along the roadways, and they took whatever they could find. And the Lord tells us that the people of Israel, His people, are going to be taking their possessions back. Even the land itself will be taken back because it is a thing that has been robbed from them. The Lord God gave Israel and Abriel the land all the way back in the Old Testament, the early books of the Old Testament. 
It shall come to pass in verse 11, in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel. The valley of <clears throat> the valley of pa- the passengers, literally the travelers, on the east of the sea. The valley of the passengers on the east of the sea. Okay, there's going to be a separate place on the east beyond the Sea of Galilee. It shall stop the nose. It shall stop the noses of the passengers. It'll be a place of rotting flesh. It'll play, be be a place of biodegrading flesh. I don't want to get too graphic. But coming from the background that I have as a firefighter and first responder, if you've ever gone into a home where there's a dead body that's been there, the smell permeates everything about you. Your clothes, your skin, your hair, everything. And you just want to go home and shower. But it will stop up the noses of the passengers, the other people that are passing through the area. And there they shall bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the Valley of Hamongog. Hammon meaning a valley. And seven months shall the house of Israel shall be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. the dead from this war, this battle, that God enters into to defend His people and His nation, it'll take them seven months to bury the dead. And it shall be with them a renown the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord. I told you this was going to happen. It's happened. If you wonder why there's so many dead, it's because I did it. God is telling them. My word is being fulfilled. Therefore, I'm glorified. That God knows the beginning from the end, and the end from the beginning is without question. But He deliberately tells us all these things in prophecy so that it doesn't come as a surprise when we see it happen. But in Israel, they don't believe in God. They think God has abandoned them. They think they have to do this on their own. And God says, not so quick. Not so fast. Have you not read Jesus' famous words. Have you not read (laughs) His gentle, quiet way about teaching? Have you not read? And then He teaches about something that has, has been written and meant to be read. 
Yea, all of the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renown the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall sever out men of continual employment. They're going to pick out men and turn them into professionals. Passing through the land to bury the passengers, those that remain upon the face of the earth, to cleanse it after the end of seven months shall they search. There's a time when these professionals are going to be burying the dead and then they're going to go look for any remains that are still on the earth. I remember my, my pastor telling us one time that he was in an air, airport and he was talking to a, uh, a Marine that was on his way to deployment. But he said, that I, I belong to a specialized unit that uh, we specialize in burying the bodies. They're trained. And if there's radiation present, they're trained and they have proximity suits to protect themselves from radiation poisoning. It's an interesting thing that's going on here that God is describing because this is 600 years before Christ when this was written. When Ezekiel wrote these words down and God spoke them to him. But it's always with a purpose of cleansing the land. Something that Abraham did as he went through the land also. He also cleansed the land. He purged it of idolatry. And the passengers that shall pass through the land where they seeth a man's bone, they shall set up a sign by it. Not to touch it, but just to mark the spot until the barriers have buried it in the valley of Ham and Gog. There's something eerie about this. Because the neutron bomb is such that it kills people, but it doesn't destroy buildings. It doesn't destroy topography. Doesn't destroy the earth itself. It's designed and meant to kill just people and animals. So if you come across a finger or a bone or something like that, set up a sign by it until the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. And also the name of the city shall be Hamona. Hamona. And this is prophetic because it says the name of the city shall be Hamona. So if you see or you hear of a city being set up called Hamona, you know that we are well on the way. Thus shall they cleanse the land. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field 
Assemble yourselves. Come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you. When we look out our window at our bird feeders, birds are ceremonially unclean unless it's a turtle dove or a dove of some kind. Those are allowed for sacrifice. But every other bird is an unclean animal because they eat almost anything from vultures to crows. Whatever it takes, they will fill their stomachs. They are the scavengers of the air as much as the, the crabs and lobsters are the scavengers of the sea. More unclean animals. Even among lobsters and crabs and clams and shell, any kind of a shellfish. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs and of goats and bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan, the soft earth countries, the, the fertile lands, the farms and agriculture communities. You shall eat the fat till you be full and drink blood till you be drunk with it of my sacrifice that I have sacrificed for you. God is saying, I have caused all of this death, all of this sacrifice, lives sacrificed for the animal kingdom. It's incredible. God is using the unclean birds of the air to cleanse His land. And we know that's something that He does often. In the Old Testament, we read often where God uses the enemies of Israel to inflict harm on Israel to get them to wake up and turn back to Him. Egypt. After the Jews left, they became a third world country and have been ever since. Babylon. After the Jews left, there is no more Babylon. He uses, the, he uses the enemies of Israel to bring judgment on Israel, but then He destroys them afterwards because they are His enemies. They are idol worshipers. They are pagans. They bow down to false gods and images. In verse 20 it says, Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots and mighty men and with all the men of war, saith the Lord God. That's a lot of material to be devoured. 
and I will set my glory among the heathen. And all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed. And my hand that I have laid upon them. They'll see that too. So the house of Israel shall know, and this is the important part of all of this war and all of this battle and all the things that God did to intervene and win the war for His people, so that the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord, capital letters, the Lord their God from that day forward. It's kind of interesting when, when the captives were set free from Babylon, the Jews that came back, they never again went into the worship of false gods. They worshipped Jehovah God. And they worshipped Him with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. So they got on the right track. But then as time goes on, it just falls, they fall back into the same old habits. They worship money. They worship possessions. Just like the Gentiles. That's us. The Jews see the world as being formed by God's chosen, the Jews themselves, and everybody else who is labeled Gentile. There's no difference. The false things that we worship, that we live for, that we work hard for to possess. But I will set my glory among the heathen and among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. They will never leave again. They've seen a mighty work. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they trespassed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. According to their uncleanness, and according to their transgressions have I done unto them and hid my face from them. I have a note here in my margin to take you up to Romans chapter 11, verse 17. Romans 11, verse 17. And if some of the branches, he's talking about the vine, the vine of his family, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted among them, he's speaking of how the Gentiles are to be grafted in to the family of God, simply by faith in Jesus Christ, and they become partakers of, of the inheritance that God has reserved for the Jews were grafted in. If some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, 
boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou boastest not the root. Thou bearest not the root. But the root bears you. Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. The fear of the Lord. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest He also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of the Lord on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. He grafts us in. He makes room for us on the vine. But if we don't grow in His grace and in His mercy and in His love and the knowledge of Him, He says, I'll cut you off too. Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But if you start to gloat about it and be critical of those that are cut off, what's to say God can't regraft them in later to take the place of you who has been unfaithful? This is a really harsh this is a harsh harsh teaching and it's it's hard to take. But it's the Word of God as much as all of these prophecies in the Old Testament are the Word of God. And they're all, they've either all come to pass or they are about to come to pass. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I have done to them and hid my face from them. Therefore, in verse 25, Thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob. They were carried away into captivity. They were kept in captivity in Egypt. They were kept in captivity and taken away into Babylon. But now I'm calling them back and I'm bringing them captive to Myself. I will bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy on them, the whole house of Israel, and will be jealous for My holy name. God is going to be jealous for His holy name. He won't take. He won't take anyone who is a duller or a naysayer or has second thoughts. I will be jealous for My holy name. After they after that they have borne their shame, been exposed to the world for their unfaithfulness. When they have borne their shame and all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against Me, when they dwelt safely in their land and none made them afraid. Well, they dwelt safely in their land and no one made them afraid because 
They worshipped God. They worshipped Jehovah. But their hearts were far from Him. They still went their own way, even within the safety of their land. When I have brought them again from the people and gathered them from out of their enemies' lands, that's basically the whole earth, because in the end times, it's in the last days, it says all the earth will be against Israel. I brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my Spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. If we look at Zechariah chapter 12, Zechariah 12 is about is a prophecy about the days that lie ahead. It hasn't happened yet. Israel has still been blinded to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in verse 10 he says, And I will pour out my I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Who inhabits the, the city of Jerusalem now? It's divided into four quarters. The old city of Jerusalem has the Christian quarter, the Armenian quarter, the Jewish quarter, and the Muslim quarter. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day, there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of Hadadraman in the valley of Megiddo. The valley of Megiddo is the valley of Megiddo. This is called in the Hebrew Armageddon or Armageddon as we know it in English. And the land shall mourn every family apart. The family of the house of David apart. Their wives apart. The family of the house of Nathan apart. And their wives apart. The family of the house of the priests, the Levites apart. And their wives. The family of Shimei apart. And their wives apart. All the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. When they realize, when they look upon whom they have pierced, they will realize that they have fulfilled the Old Testament Scriptures of Isaiah 55, Isaiah 52 and 53. They shall realize it and they'll go into mourning because of it. 
And typically, in Judaism, the men and the women mourn separately. In verse 13 of Zechariah, it says, In that day there shall be a fountain opened unto the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. A fountain will be used in a spiritual sense to purge them and to cleanse them of their sin. It'll be the place where they go to wash before they take their sin before the Lord. It'll be a baptism for them. It'll be a baptism for them. I'm going to take you a little bit further back into the Old Testament, into the prophet Joel's book. It speaks of this this part of the book is is very much forward looking into the last days. Not only the end times, but the last days themselves. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion in chapter 2 of the book of Joel. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there had not been ever like, neither shall be any more after it. And even to the years of many generations, a fire devoureth before them, and behind them a fire burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, nothing shall escape them. This is the invasion of Israel. The land back in the time of Jesus was a barren land. It has only been since 1948 when the Jews were able to take back their land and fight for it and keep it that the Jews were able to refoliate plant trees, grow crops, because it's the trees and the oxygen that they give off that draws the rain. And Israel, the Israeli parts of Israel, are like a garden. They are like a garden. It's green over there. It's not the desert wasteland. When the Turks ran over Israel and took possession of it, they cut down all the trees because under their government, you were taxed on your land according to the number of trees that you had. So everybody cut down their trees so they didn't have to pay their taxes. It turned into a desert wasteland. Not so anymore. It's rich and it's green, especially up in the region of the Galilee, the Hula Valley. It's an amazing place. A 
but I'm going to encourage you to read Joel, all of Joel chapter 2, and you'll see Ezekiel 38 and 39 repeated through the words of another, another ancient prophet. And this one was 200 years before Ezekiel. God, has speak, God is speaking to every generation and has been speaking to every generation for, well, since the beginning of the earth, since He formed the earth and began to counsel Adam and Eve on what they were to do and what they were to eat about keeping and maintaining the land. It is God's land. It says that he owned, the scriptures tell us that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, I got news for you. He owns the hills too. But even as, even as he said in the reading this morning from Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, Comfort ye one another with these words. This war that's coming is going to be a dangerous place to live on earth. He tells us to pray to escape it. Put our faith in Him and we will escape it. To give Him all of our faith because we belong to Him too. It's not just the cattle. We belong to Him too. The rapture of the church will happen. The timing of it is always a, a debatable point. It may be pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture. But no one denies that it, it is going to happen. And so we pray that we are counted worthy to escape. Put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the first time that he tells us something like this is going to happen. When we think about the destruction of the world during the flood of Noah, he told Noah ahead of time it was going to happen. So he said, build an ark. When we are pulled off the earth in the rapture of the church, it'll be like the waters rising under us and lifting us up and remaining on top of the water, just as that ark did with the, in the days of Noah. Noah's ark is a, in typology. It's a type of the rapture. And when Noah saw the rain coming, he gathered the animals and the other seven members of his family, and he went into the ark and the Scriptures say that God sealed the door to the ark. Be sealed. Be ready for the rapture. When you hear and you see all these things coming to pass, be ready to go. And it's interesting, as I mentioned, that uh, <clears throat> Prime Minister Putin has abandoned the agreement of no more nukes. 
He did it in response to what he sees as a slap in the face from the United States when President Biden went overseas to the Ukraine, the enemies of Russia. But the newspapers in Norway, and you have to remember where Norway is, it's directly across the region of the Baltic that borders Russia. And all of the Atlantic fleet for the Russian Navy, many ships have been deployed with nuclear armaments. They've already gone through the Straits. They've already gone, come out of St. Petersburg and gone up along the coastline that is clearly visible to the residents of Norway. Putin is on the march. He now sees us as his enemy because we are friends with the Ukraine. So buckle your seatbelts. It's liable to be a bumpy night until we get to that, that day when the Lord calls us home. And if it's not this event, it'll be the next one or the one after that. Just be ready always for that release from earth. Your feet won't hurt anymore from gravity. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Comfort yourselves with the words of the Scriptures. Now, we know coming. Thank you, Jesus, you tell us. And thank you, Lord, that you prepare us for it. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the provision of prophecy. We thank you for your faithfulness to fulfill it. We thank you to know it ahead of time if we would just read your word. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are God. We put ourselves under your protection and we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to our loved ones and family members who haven't declared you as not only Lord, but also Savior of their lives. We love you and we thank you. We ask you to go before us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us, and isn't he just? God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. 
From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.